Well, they did it, folks, and they told us that they were going to do it. They increased the overnight rate. The prime interest rate was impacted afterwards, and so we're sitting here today a half percent higher than we were, well, a few days before. We're going to talk a little bit more about what it all means to you, what you need to consider if you have a variable rate or a fixed rate loan, and just some of what the government came out and said today in this podcast, I mean, it's more than just the rate change. So definitely stay tuned and listen to this because we're going to talk a little bit about everything that happens when the Bank of Canada changes interest rates and what to expect on the next rate change coming up in a month's time. Uh, As always, folks, if you're liking the episodes, make sure to rate us on iTunes and Spotify. You can on Spotify. Just give give us that five stars. Same thing on iTunes. And most importantly, share this with a friend. Last but not least, the show is presented by us at Thrive Mortgage Co. So if you want to create more real estate, (laughs) let's try that again. So if you want to create more wealth in real estate, make sure to reach out to the guys who know that's us. Just send us a message through our Instagram or find us at thrivemortgage.ca. Enjoy the show. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. All right, they did it again. They did it again, and they said they were going to do it. This is probably one of the most easily predictable events of, well, from the Bank of Canada over the course of the last, I don't know, a couple of years at this point right now raising the interest rates, what happened, what they did, why they did it, what should you do, is the sky falling, where is real estate going to go, man, a lot of nervousness out there, but like I said before, I think at the end of the day, what just happened on June 1st, 2022, in terms of the rate changes, was easily the most predictable, and hopefully uh, everybody out there was highly prepared for what just happened, which is a half percent increase to the overnight rate. And brought the overnight rate up a half percent from where it was previously. It puts us in a different position today than where we were almost. Well, if you're looking at prime for most banks, it puts us about 0.2% or 0.25% below where we were pre-pandemic. So we're almost there. Guys, thoughts, feelings, emotions, any of those things? I mean, it's just nice to see that. I, I, I've been saying this for a while. The transparency from the government in this regard, when it comes to interest rates, has been very helpful for for us in our industry and anyone that's a homeowner to be able to budget and plan for this. Um, they have, you know, to to their credit, and we have said this multiple times. They're they're doing a good job in communicating, in my opinion, around all of this because we're also now being prepared for another increase in July, and that that next increase for a variable rate customer it's going to impact their qualification. So I know we're going to get into that later on in this episode. And the fact that, you know, for most people, this increase today does not impact a lot of people's qualification, but the next one will, and they are preparing us for another one. So we can now start preparing, you know, anyone that's in a situation that's buying or pre-approved that, you know, qualification could potentially be impacted in July. Yeah, very good points. And I mean, that this comes into play for someone that's coming up for a renewal potentially refinancing purchasing getting pre-approved so uh, like dean mentioned if there's another rate bump which there will be we absolutely need to dig into that and make sure that numbers are still in line for qualification um but again like what alex said you know like we were all expecting this we knew it was coming um i think that there is certainly good reason behind it obviously 
as a consumer, no one wants to see their interest rate go up and no one wants to pay more. But when you look at what's happening in our country in regards to inflation, it is out of control. Like we're looking at almost a 7% inflation rate. And for anyone that doesn't really understand that, if you have money sitting in a bank account, not invested, earning zero interest, you're actually losing money day over day because everything else in the world is increasing by 7% and your money's staying at zero, right? So now when it comes to investing and trying to hedge your, your, your money, we have to compete with a 7% inflation rate, which is tough. It is, it is not easy to turn a 7% rate on investments. Obviously, real estate has been a massive tool for a lot of people, but um, that is something to consider. And, and the goal of where they're trying to bring inflation down is to 2%. Like That's a massive decrease. And one of the biggest tools that our government has is, is really raising rates to slow things down. Yeah, I mean, it's the only tool. And we've talked about this too at, at length. It, it is the only tool to combat inflation. And to your point, the, the target's two percent, and we're you know we're, we're exceeding seven percent right now. So you know, based on the Bank of Canada's messaging today, they want to continue to raise rates to get it to their target. You know, to what they call you know smothering inflation by these increases. And that's another leads to another point. Like we're we're looking at we we now just experienced two half percent increases. First time since 2000, I think, since that's occurred, um, and that's their, you know, that's their measure to what they call smothering inflation. We'll see if it works. I mean, we we've, you know, we've read lots of articles. I mean, we're, we're obviously we're we're quite the nerds when it comes to this type of stuff, but as we should be and as we have to be, um, it doesn't seem like it's actually going to work, which is a concern for me. And and I know Alex, you mentioned this off off air. Derek, you did a good job with the whole uh, concept of inflation there. But let's um, kind of circle back a little bit here and talk about what you mentioned there, Dean, in regards to uh, this being the only tool that the bank has that can potentially impact or cool inflation. Um, so the interesting thing, I've been obviously thinking about this for weeks and months and, and just more specifically, just basically reading through this announcement, first of all, transparency, they told us they were going to do it and they did it. And they came back after this announcement and they said, okay, well, we're probably going to raise rates again. And what does that look like? We don't know, but they've told us where they're trying to go. So you mentioned an inflation target or a percentage. Um, they're trying to get to two to 3% on the overnight rate. Today, we sit at, I believe one, um, what are we at? One and a, half, a quarter or one and three quarters today? I got to get my uh, one and a half. Thank you. <laughs> we got one and a half today. So that gives us a half percent change to get to the lower bound of what they projected to get to. So, I mean, a few things to consider when we look at those numbers. First and foremost, when they say we're trying to get to two or we're trying to get to three, obviously that's a goal. It doesn't mean that we're going to get there. It doesn't mean that we couldn't go beyond that. It's just more of a target. Um, you know, looking at just the, from a broad perspective, again, going back to pre-pandemic versus now, pre-pandemic, we were a quarter percent above where we were at today. So if we're going automatically up a half percent, we're going beyond the pre-pandemic levels. That's a big thing to consider. The second thing, which is a completely different topic, is looking at the fact that a lot of the issues that are going on in the in the country right now, or a lot of the issues that are going on in terms of price price points and so forth, are unrelated to Can like Canadians or Canada as a whole. Like the war in Russia and Ukraine is causing certain issues, uh, globally speaking. Um, what's happening in regards to supply chains continues to be an issue still because of what's happening in China with continued COVID lockdowns putting more pressure. And so, um, you know, even though we're seeing an uptick in jobs and we're seeing a lot of that going on, I'm, you know, a little bit nervous to suggest that continuing to go up at that dramatic of a rate will have the, uh, 
proposed impact that they're looking for. And I'm a little bit concerned that the bank will raise rates a little bit too much and push, put us back into a, I don't know if a recession is the right word, but into some form of a mini recession if they if they can continue to go up in that way. Yeah, I mean, the fear is it, 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 it it's a global recession is the fear right now. And it does seem pretty imminent at this point based on what's going on. And to your point, China, I mean, COVID lockdowns, you know, think of how much stuff comes from China that you use in your daily life. So, I mean, as a country, as every country is trying to do right now, is they're scratching and scrambling to produce more of their own resources to at home. You know, whether it's the t-shirt you're wearing on your back or the spoon you're using to eat your your take your take home lunch or whatever whatever you're using um, for plastic materials. I mean, we got to find a way to create things at home. That's obviously a focus, and first and foremost, we got to find a way to get more fuel out of our ground. I mean, we're Canada's got some of the most natural resources in the world when it comes to, you know, fuel. We have to find a way to pull more out of it out of the ground and 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 not rely on other parts of the world for for fuel resources. And I know that the Americans are well ahead of that now, and they've they've somewhat fixed their their inflation issue to a degree. I mean, they've definitely started to see it decline. And you know, we're always seem to be six months behind that that market when it comes to our country and and we, i don't know whatever we do it seems like we follow them almost step by step in that six month timeline and they have started to see their their inflation start to decline slightly which is good because like you know even if it's just a, a couple you know decimal points it's positive because we're only been going in the up direction lately yeah to your point like talking about the u.s as a whole i know we're going a bit deeper we haven't even talked about recommendations or what people should do so we should probably get into that but i mean this is a good conversation to have and we do as you mentioned echo a lot of what happens in the united states and uh for those paying attention the u.s has their version of the uh, bank of canada's rate change which is called the fed and uh they went up real quick there back between i want to say what was it about Feb uh february maybe march i'd have to go back and look at the dates march to to april and so they had a little bit of an early run and they went a lot quicker than the uh, the bank of canada did in any case to your point you're exactly right uh inflation numbers since uh, the highs reported in March of 2022, uh, they're back down from 8.5 to 8.3 to 8.1, which brings us back to basically January levels, and the things things are looking like they're getting under control. So I guess my uh, my thought process is that the Canadian government obviously is looking to do something very similar to that. My fear is that they go up a little bit too fast and they don't let uh, the, the leg come, so to speak, and uh, let things work themselves out like they should at this point right now. Any thoughts on that, Derek? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I don't have too much more to add to that that piece, but uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. That is their intention, right? Their intention is to raise it too too quickly or too aggressively. That's 100% their intention. When they say smothering inflation, that's what they're doing, right? So they, they, there will be that leg based on what they're saying to us and what they're showing in, in action with two half-point increases. That's exactly what's happening, and that's what we need to prepare for, and they're preparing us for that. You know, so we can disagree, is it the right decision? You know, disagree or agree if this is the right decision. But at the end of the day, it is what they're doing. They told us it's what they're doing. So let's prepare for it. And that's ultimately what, we, what we've what we been doing for the better part of the last three months. Agreed. All right, well, let's talk about what the impact is on borrowers and the real estate market and what's going on there. I mean, uh, Derek, why don't you start off by talking about the, uh, uh, you know, the breakdown. What is the impact and who does the impact? Yeah, one thing that's different this rate hike compared to the last couple is it's taken 
the last couple of rate hikes that we've had, the banks have kind of delayed for a month. They wait till the end of the month to actually adjust their prime rate. We had an announcement at 7.30 this morning, and we've gotten emails from pretty well every single bank that we work with saying that as of midnight tonight, their prime rate has increased or it already has increased. It's changed. So last time around, if you were in a variable adjustable, any type of a variable product, uh, you wouldn't have actually seen any impact for a little while. Now it's immediate. It is happening as of tomorrow. Whether your payment changes or not, that depends on the lender and the product that you're you're in and with. So <clears throat> it's funny. We get a lot of calls saying, hey, I know I, I heard rates are going up on June 1st. I want to lock in. I want to rush my mortgage application. I want to lock in. That doesn't actually matter, right? If you're getting locked into a variable, we're locking you in at a discount and it doesn't matter, the rate increase happened today, your rate's going up as well. That's how it works. So rushing to lock in your rate today, there's not a lot of point in that. Fixed rates are also not directly correlated to Bank of Canada rate increases, right? So we've talked about this before, but over the course of the last 12 to 18 months, we've seen rates go from 1.79% to 4.79%. But no one talks about that because it's kind of behind the scenes, right? It's the banks doing those as the bond yield changes. So today, again, just to reiterate, if you're in a fixed rate mortgage, you do not have a direct impact on this. You have your fixed rate guaranteed until the end of your term. If you are coming up for renewal in the next 6, 12, 18 months, I would suggest a conversation with us now because we don't know where we're going to be at that point it might make sense to get out early your penalties could be a lot lower than you expect because of how how high rates are it's all kind of up in the air so who is impacted uh variable rate mortgage holders that's who's impacted your rates going up no matter what and again to circle back with what i said a minute ago whether your payment changes or not, hopefully you're aware of what type of product that you're in. Some lenders offer static payment and some have adjustable fluctuating payments. So what that means is if you're in a static payment, even though rates went up, your payment doesn't change. The amount of interest and principal that you're paying inside of that set payment is adjusting. You're going to start paying more interest to the bank and less of your principal. And if that continued for the rest of your term, technically you would owe more on your mortgage balance than you should. And that needs to be readjusted at, at maturity. So that's kind of who's been impacted uh, and why. Alex, maybe you want to dig into the dollars? Yeah, yeah, let's get into it. So basically, if you are in uh, an ARM or an adjustable rate, we like to call it an adjustable payment mortgage, which most lenders actually offer these days is adjustable payment mortgages. Um, your monthly payment's going to increase by about $24 per $100,000 of carried money. Um, so again, if you put that in context, 20, let's just say 25 to make it nice and sweet and simple. If you're borrowing 500,000 bucks, it's about $125 difference. If it's bi-weekly payments you're making, just cut that in half essentially. It's like 60, 65 bucks that you're looking at increasing your monthly payment. So um, for most people, that's not a huge impact. Obviously there are some larger loans out there. If it's a million dollar loan, you know, double those numbers. If it's half that, you know, cut the numbers in half. It really depends on your personal situation. But what I've learned in, in my experience, first and foremost, a lot of these folks um, that have these loans are in a position where they are overqualified. Like again, we, we qualified at 5.25, but maybe they got a mortgage at 2% or 2.5%, right? So it might be a shock to your system initially speaking, but first of all, I recommend, you know, setting your budget. And we talk to this every single client, we recommend over budgeting and adjusting, over budgeting and adjusting with uh, their numbers, uh, no matter what situation you're in right now. Um, you know, my biggest piece of feedback right away for those folks is 
just be prepared, look at your budget, have a quick peek and see if it's actually going to have an immediate impact so it doesn't surprise you. And of course, uh, consider, you know, if that's a concern for you, consider some other options. Although no matter what option you choose, in many circumstances, there could be an additional associated cost uh, with the exception of perhaps the uh, variable rate mortgage, which, um, you know, Dean you, or, or Derek, I, I just want to circle back to you before hopping over to Dean, but you had mentioned a phone call that you had earlier today with uh, a lady that was uh, considering her options. And, and can you just maybe share that story and, and talk a little bit about what how what came of that yeah so this uh client had called me and she was curious about locking in she had just finished a phone call with her broker that set up the mortgage recently um and he was suggesting that she go fix that was his recommendation he called her to make that comment um because of predictions of rates going to x she obviously wanted to get a second opinion so we kind of talked through that and we talked about where rates are and the jump. She was going to be jumping from about a 2.7 into about a 4.7 rate if she made that conversion with her lender. Um, because she was so new into her term, she only had the ability to convert into a five-year fixed, right? So immediately her concern is I'm jumping into an inflated rate for a very long time and rates are likely to come down in probably two to three years. It's up in the air, but that's obviously a concern. So we talked through that and, and you know, most people right now, if you're going to convert, ideally you want to get into a two or three year with a goal of hoping that rates are down to a more normalized level when you're up for renewal. She didn't have that option um, without breaking her mortgage. So we talked about what that might look like, you know, maybe transitioning to a different lender. I just want to say for anyone thinking about converting, you're not stuck with your lender. You don't have to stay with your bank. If there's a better option somewhere else, if you want to get into a shorter term, you can absolutely do that. Keep in mind, you're in a variable, so your penalty is three months of interest, relatively low cost, right? If it's going to get you into the product that you actually want to be in. Um, and then we talked about a different type of variable. So she's with a bank where the payments do fluctuate, and that's their fear, right? Their fear is, is looking at numbers if, if rates go 3% higher, dramatic. But if that happened, it, it would be unaffordable for them. So we talked about getting into a, a static payment variable mortgage. Her rate would end up a little bit higher than it is right now. So she is giving up a piece of that off the bat, but she's in a variable product, which the whole family likes. That's why they went variable, but it kind of takes that fear of fluctuating payments out of it. So it was a good conversation. It kind of opened her eyes to some different options. And I think that this is what everyone needs to do, right? Because everyone has these questions. Everyone's thinking, what is the right decision? And I'll tell you right now, I don't think anyone actually knows. But you got to think about strategy. You got to think about your personal risk tolerance. You got to think about budgeting, right? And you got to go with your gut after you have an educated conversation with someone like us. One thing I've I've had a lot of question about lately is anyone that is in a static payment is is starting to think of the the trigger rate and ultimately what's going to happen then and, and when, when that occurs and that's something we don't have to do a super deep dive into now but it, it is a valid concern and, and essentially what that means is that, that you know depending on your lender and your term you could reach a point where your rate gets high enough where the bank ultimately wants to to make a, a lump sum payment to bring the principal back down to where you know close to where it should be um you know, because at some point, if the rates continue to go up, you, you could get to a point where potentially you're not paying as much principal down as, as you as you should. And you could get to, you know, the end of your term and have a lot more years left than, than you would have originally expected. And so that 
that's a valid fear for a lot of people. I think in, in our market here, especially, and, and, and you could argue Ontario, parts of Ontario would, would be the same is, you know, I don't really have much fear in that. I'm currently a static payment customer myself. And, and I look at it this way as, uh, you know, I have a lot of equity in my home due to recent appreciation. And, uh, you know, if you're somebody that, you know, purchased your home in the last 18 months, you probably gained a lot of appreciation in your home. And, and to fear that, you know, potentially your principal isn't going down at, at the pace that you, you know, you would have expected originally. Um, there is a lot of appreciation in that home and, and there could potentially be, you know, a really easy solution to just refinance at that point in time and, and ultimately fix that, that situation if you do get there. So I think there's a lot of peace of mind in the fact that where we live, where we invest in real estate, we're, we're in one of the best markets in the world. And um, I personally don't think that's that's much of a fear. And I found a lot of my clients w would agree with that. Yeah, well played. There's a lot there that you said there and everything from obviously the, the variable rate loan and the trigger rate, uh, some suggestions there. I mean, Derek obviously touching pretty heavily on getting a second opinion on all this. I think it really just says to me like, um, more than anything else, just from an opinion factor, being in this all day long and the conversations we have, more now than ever, like an, an active management approach or in a continued conversation, just remembering that these things are fluid is super important. Like, I mean, I was just pulled up an article while we were chatting right here, and it just shows you how different the opinions are. Because on one side, I got someone saying, hey, we're going like, like Derek, that experience your lady had, so they're going to go to 6%. And on the other side, it's like, hey, you know, the only thing that they're going to hurt here is housing. And so eventually they're going to realize that and they're going to have to pull back a little bit. So, uh, I mean, all these points are valid on all sides. But I think what you mentioned, Dean, there, which is super important is consider your budget, consider stress testing yourself, uh, consider looking at making those prepayments to ensure you're not in a negative uh, position. Um, but I would like to take just a, a minute or two uh, as we kind of close out this part of the topic to talk a little bit about real estate as investment and what you guys see going on here over the next little bit. We were talking a bit about Alberta. Uh, Dean, you touched on BC and Alberta, but man, it just, it, it still seems like there's money out there. It's still flying out. We're seeing more accepted offers. Heck, I've, I've seen more accepted offers hit my desk in the last two weeks than the last two months. Um, so, you know, I, I still see the consumer confidence there. What do you, what do you guys think is going to happen here? Well, I think it's key, it's super important to keep in mind. I know many investors that lost a lot of money in 2008 when, when things did turn. And, and the reason I found a lot of people lost money back in those times is, is if the market does turn and does go downward, especially for people that did buy in the last say six months at what we would call the peak, um, you know, fire selling and taking a loss that would be highly recommended to, to, to avoid that situation. And, and the number one thing I hear from anyone that, you know, is potentially looking at fire selling because they think that their home is going down in value and they want to get out before it goes down even further. My advice would be to, to know I'd actually ride that out, um, for at least a five to 10 year period of time, but, uh, but at a minimum five years. And I think just, you know, I know your, your, your kind of intention here was to kind of get into opportunities and whatnot, but I think it's also important to keep in mind that, you know, the people that have real estate right now and did buy in the six months, they need to be confident in that. And this isn't, this isn't a short-term investment. This is not a short-term investment. This is a long-term investment and you need to you need to weather this. This will, this will be short, short-lived. And I do believe that. So if we do see a bit of a, 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 a you know, a, a bump downward, I guess you could say in, in, in evaluations and, and yes, that's going to bring opportunity. That is going to be a great opportunity for anyone that's sitting on the sideline looking to buy. Um, but the ones that are fear that they're going to lose, like stay with it, stick with your home and, and ride it out.
Yeah, it's a good point. And I mean, from my side, honestly, what I've seen, because if you rewind and think about where we were at for the last literally two years for buyers, it was like, you can't even get a house. People that couldn't go subject free were not getting offers accepted. They couldn't afford it. They got priced out. So what I've actually seen and what we've really been kind of pushing to our clients is you just watch the market go up by 40%. Obviously, you're exhausted. You beat. You feel like you're never going to be able to buy. Like now is your actual opportunity to buy. You can get an offer accepted with subjects for like a week or a week and a half, which is more than the three days we were dealing with before. You're able to buy a condo that's listed for four hundred thousand for three ninety five. Like you don't have to offer five hundred thousand anymore. So, although rates have gone from two to four, you're able to get a property for like a hundred thousand dollars less. Detached homes, like houses that were selling for one point seven five million, you're you can actually pick them up for one point five million right now, right? And like we talked with uh, Ty Corsi last week about this. I don't think those houses were necessarily worth one point seven five. But that's what people were forced to pay to get their offer accepted. So like you're still paying market value, but there's a huge discount because of that. So who cares if your rate's higher? Rates will come back down, right? You're getting a massive discount on property. So we've just seen a ton of people that went through the weeds of, of the really tough market. And they're actually pulling the trigger right now because they're realizing what's going on, right? I think new people who are coming to the market right now are a little bit more hesitant because there's lots of talks of market going down and rates going up. But everyone that saw what we just dealt with for two years is a little bit, there's a little bit more common sense there, I find. The market we just went through, like that was not fun for anyone involved, anyone on the transaction. That was not a good experience, especially when you're having to go subject free, over asking. This is a, this is a great time to buy from just a sense of this is great peace of mind. Like, as a buyer, you're actually probably going to really enjoy the experience because you're, you are going to get some, you know, the adequate amount of time to assess the property, do your due diligence on the property, make sure it's the right home for you, whether it's a home inspection, subject to financing, all those sorts of things. Not even aside, like to Derek's point, and I'm sure you're going to touch on this, Alex, is just from like, a, you know, getting a deal or, or, or saving money and not having to pay full ass. Like for me, it's just a peace of mind that we actually have the time that we need to make the right decision and the subject free stuff is is not really even there anymore and that's to me is is a huge win just that alone and so if you're a first time home buyer you don't have to sell a property to buy great time to buy like oh my gosh i like i, I would love to be a first time home buyer right now versus six months ago and same thing if you're if you're a homeowner that's looking to buy a rental property again you don't need to sell to buy something right now you, you're gonna just have a great experience overall. Agreed, man. Agreed on all accounts. Well, I don't think we have time to get into, because um, we meant to make this short and sweet to the point. I don't know if we have time to get into the whole Calgary, Alberta, and, and what's happening in, in the different markets right now, but we'll save that for the next one. Uh, let's just put it this way. I agree on all accounts with you in regards to the opportunities, and that explains why, like I said, in the last two weeks, uh, at least my personal experience, there's been more coming in the door than the last two months, which has been crazy <laughs> to keep up with. Um, as a, Actually, there is one last note I want to leave this on. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, and if you're looking to get a mortgage, um, the one thing to make clear and something that I'm seeing, and we'll, we'll do a full episode of this, is, is lender appetite for large loans or exceptions they're 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 not only are they slower and busy right now busy obviously because of accepted offers but i'm also noticing the appetite for certain loans start to go away whether it be investments but mostly exceptions so i'm going to leave that little nugget there we're not going to get too deep into that but i think that's going to be a, a topic for one of the next episodes and how lenders change their guidelines and changing markets and how that impacts you as a borrower